theyeshiva.net. I want to begin the class today with reading an email that I received two days ago. Two days ago. After the first class Monday, in this Maimer, Anila Daidi Vidaidi Lila Kodatara Parshasra Aid Aflamid Bays. I'm going to read it almost verbatim. Good morning, Rabbi Waiwai. First of all, thank you very much for whatever you do. Okay, he goes on a few things, saying a few nice things. Thank you very much. I do business consulting. And I get to speak to people from different backgrounds. This is what this man writes. I had yesterday a conversation with somebody, a Jew, and he shared with me that he is unfortunately not observing Shabbos. I was able to listen to him. He then asked me, do you look down at me now that I shared with you the truth? about my issues with Shabbos. I watched a part of your class. The king is in the field. How Hashem is coming to us without any official dress. He tunes into us the way we are, connects to us the way we are. This is the uniqueness of the month of Elo, where Hashem is accessible to all. And that itself helps us get closer to him. It helps us realize that in any field that we're in, the way we are, authentically, we could connect. I believe that our work then, in these days of the month of Elul, based on this Maimah that you taught, is the same like God. We should also be in the field. The focus this month should be to accept every Jew the way they are and really be able to embrace them. That itself without any strings attached, is amazing. It also is what allows them to get closer. Just a thought I figured I will share. And therefore I told them, no, I don't look down at you and this, I don't dismiss you. This is more or less the content of the email that I received. And I want to say that it was very gratifying because sometimes we learn things but we don't apply them to our lives. It's an idea, maybe a nice idea, it may even be an inspiring idea. But really the purpose of everything we learn is for us to assimilate it into our system, to integrate it into our daily lives and encounters and relationships with strangers and with friends, with people of all backgrounds and walks of life mundane situations and holy situations, to really be able to breathe it in, to internalize it, and to embrace it. So here was an example of a Jew. He learned something. We learned something on Monday morning. And literally the next day, he put it into practice. This is not in any way condoning or making light of somebody not keeping Shabbos, chas v'shalom. What it is doing is allowing us to tune in to a deeper dimension of a person which ultimately allows people to be able to feel the love and acceptance and in all likelihood it only influences them in the future to be able to re-embrace the holiness of Shabbos. 
especially in our generation, when we see clearly that when you want to be makar of somebody, when you want to bring somebody closer to Yiddishkeit, to Torah, the path of positivity and love and affection and closeness is really, in all likelihood, the way to do it. So let's now continue inside. We learned the first chapter of this Maimer, Anila Daidi Vidaidi Li, Roshitevis Elu, which, as I said, was said by the Balatanya on Shabbos Mavarchim Elu Tofkuf Nun Zayin, the Shabbos blessing the month of Elu preceding Rishchidosh Elu of the year 1797, published in his Lakuta Torah Re'e, Daf Lev, Daf Lamed Beis. A very brief summation of the first chapter, and then we'll continue into the second chapter. And I emphasize a brief summation because there's a lot there. But the point that he said was that Elul begins the process we call Isarusa de Lasata, an arousal from below. Ani daidi. I develop a closeness, a commitment, a relationship with daidi, with my beloved one. And then comes Vedoidi Li, which is primarily Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, which is a revelation of God's Malchus, which is what allows the Neshama, whose antennas are very much sensitive and fine-tuned to feel the godly vibe. That's what a soul is. A soul has antennas that experience the godly vibe. It's why Rosh Hashanah, Sarasimei Yom Kippur, the Jewish people, the soul of the Jew, is driven and, and moved to accept the yoke of heaven, one will, which will continue throughout the year. This is the gift of the revelation of God's Malchus, Smoilai Tachas Lereshi, his Midas Ayira, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. That's the Vidoidi Li. It begins with Anil Doidi, which is the arousal from below in the month of Elul. That's why Elul is Anil Doidi Vidoidi Li. The Alter Rebbe said, but one second, we know that Darizal says that Elul is the time of revelation of the 13 attributes of compassion. It's not just Anila Daidi, the arousal from below. There's a tremendous revelation from above in the month of Elul. That's why it's called the month of compassion. That's why this Svaradim says Slich is the whole month of Elul. Even the Ashkenazim say Slich is at the end of Elul. So how can you say Elul is Anila Daidi, the arousal from below? So the Alter Rebbe says the answer is with another question, by asking another question. Why is Elul, why are all the days of Elul considered regular weekdays, not Shabbos and Yom Tif? What makes Shabbos and Yom Tif unique? Why don't we go to work on Shabbos and Yom Tif? Why don't we do all the labor that we engage in the rest of the, during the rest of the week? And the answer is, because Shabbos and Yom Tif, there is a divine revelation, and in order to be able to pick up that revelation, in order to be able, in order for our antennas to be able to absorb it, to be able to become aligned with it, we need to abstain from work. We need to prepare ourselves. You need to be in a certain state of mind, state of consciousness. So there's a way you dress on Shabbos. There's a way you talk on Shabbos. There's a way you live on Shabbos. There's a way you behave on Shabbos. And there's things you don't do on Shabbos, just like there's things you do on Shabbos. In fact, the Yerushalmi says, a famous Yerushalmi in Demai, Afilu am ha'aretz einem meshaker b'Shabbos. It's a very interesting halacha, just parenthetically. The halacha is that in the time of Yochanan Kohen Gadol, which means during the second base Hamikdash, the sages realized that there were many Jews called Amei Haaretz, which means not that they were only ignorant, they were not very scrupulous in following the laws of Torah. 
And there was a big problem with the tithing. If you would buy grain from them or fruits or vegetables, it was not sure that they did all the tithing because it's a nice amount, you know, it's taxes. Two percent you have to give to the Kayan Truma. So that they, they did. But they were afraid about the other 10% they have to give to the Levi and the other 10% that has to go to Jerusalem. So they made that when you buy this grain and you're not sure, it's called the Demai. Demai is Domai. It's two words, Domai. The Aruch says, what is it? You're not sure. And you have to retithe it. Some of the tithings you have to redo it from Ismaiser, Maiser Sheni. That's the halach of Demai. So the Chazal say a very interesting thing. That let's say it's already Shabbos. And Shabbos, you're not allowed to tithe your grain because you're not allowed to fix your grain. And you ask the Amaritz on Shabbos, yeah, you got fruits from him. You have apples and cherries and you have a lot of guests and you're serving it. Then you realize, oi, it may have not been tithed. So you ask him, did you tithe it? So Shabbos, you believe him. Because I feel Amaritz ain't a Shabbos. So on Shabbos, uh, a Jewish soul is different. Mitzay Shabbos already, you have to tithe it. If you want to continue eating it, you have to tithe it, Mitzay Shabbos. Aye, if he was honest on Shabbos and it's tithed, you can eat it, Mitzay Shabbos. But this was a special halacha said for Shabbos. R- Rambam says in Hilchas Meiser that Amos Shabbos love. There's an awe of Shabbos on a Jew. Of course, if somebody really wants to lie on Shabbos, they can lie on Shabbos also. We still have a Yitzhahara on Shabbos. But the point is that there's an energy there's a revelation on Shabbos. So the Alter Rebbe asks, if that's the case, why is Elul, why are all the days of the month of Elul regular mundane days with such a revelation of Yom Zerachim, which is similar to Yom Kippur? Obviously, there's a big difference. And this is where the Alter Rebbe introduces us to his classic metaphor, known as the metaphor of the king in the field. And the point of the metaphor was that in the, 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 the time that the king, before coming to the city and going into his palace, he goes into the field. And it's an opportunity for every person, all the people, to come out and greet him in the field. And then there's absolutely no necessity for any protection. You don't have to have connections. You don't have to dress up. You don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to be in an elevated state. You don't have to be a friend of a friend of a friend who knows somebody in the palace who will get you in. Whoever wants, as he says, call me Sheroitz, whoever wants can go out and greet the king. And on, on, be, on behalf of the king, he's present, and he's present with full joy, with a glowing countenance. Maripanam Sarchagas Lakulam displaying a smiling face of joy to every single person. And then, when he goes into the city, they follow him. And when he comes to the palace, now it's already much more difficult to get in. A person has to be ready. A person has to have permission. There's preparations. And even then, you have to be worthy of getting into the palace. So the Alter Rebbe says, the month of Elul, Hashem is in the field. Accessible to all, but just like when the king is in the field, nobody forces you to go out and greet him. Even the king himself, he doesn't have that full royal attire and that entourage and that sense of glory and aristocracy and royalty and monarchy that really inculcates in the days of yore. Alter Rebbe said this Maimur in 1797, so <laughs> all of Russian life revolved around the Tsar. That sense of awe that the subjects have when the king is in the field 
You're not stimulated or compelled to go greet him. He's just one of the boys. He's just one of the buddies. But if you want, this is a tremendous opportunity. This answers the questions. On one hand, we say it's a time of revelation, but it's not like Yom Kippur. It's a time of revelation of Yom Kippur. But what type of revelation? It's a revelation in the field. God dresses up like a peasant in the field. In other words, he comes out to your domain the way you are. You don't have to be anything else in your pure, raw vulnerability and authenticity. You don't have to dress up. This is a metaphor. The month of Elul, I meet you where you are. In Hebrew, they say, Begovai Naim, I look at you in the face. You remember that song they used to sing in camp? Don't walk, don't walk ahead of me, I may not follow. Don't walk behind me, I may not lead. Just walk beside me and hold my hand, and together we will walk in the ways of Hashem. Da 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 da. Yeah. It's probably a. So, so that's the idea. I don't want to walk ahead of you, I don't want to walk behind you. So, Melech Basada. Therefore, doesn't turn Elul into a Yom Tif or a Shabbos where I'm not allowed to do work. Shabbos and Yom Tif, it's a type of revelation of the king, the way he's a king. And therefore, you have to be open to it. You have to be receptive to it. And therefore, you have to remove the garments of mundaneness. I have to abstain from the 39 types of labor that are forbidden on Shabbos because each one of them really is a contradiction. It would undermine the energy of Shabbos. But the uniqueness of Elul is, it's a tremendous revelation. But what type of revelation? The king is coming into my zone, to my space, into the field with the pitchforks and with the shovels and with the hose and with the axen and with the plowing and the planting. That space, he's in the field accessible to all, and in a very, very calm fashion. I want to get to know you. I want to connect to you. But you have to initiate. You have to be interested. If you're not interested, you're not interested. But if you're interested, there's a unique opportunity for a relationship that is extremely powerful, vulnerable, real, simple, and authentic. This answers the questions. It's Arusa de Lusata. It's Anila Daidi. Even though there's a tremendous revelation, and it's very different than Yom Kippur, it is considered a regular weekday. In order to explain this more, Dr. Rebbe says, what does it mean, the Hisgalus of Yom And what does it even mean, the revelation of Yom Hashem? And he started to explain this, the concept of Yoyer Hashem Ponovei Lecha. Kale, it says in Tehillim and Halel, Kale Hashem Vayoer Lonu. Hashem shines his light, and he explains that this light is the light of infinity, Vayoer, it's the light of Hashem, and the light of the fire, or the light of the sun, is a direct continuum of the sun, and it reflects the power of the sun. That the light that Vayoer Lanu represents infinity itself, and this exists and shines in every Jew, that's the Hisgalus of Yedgum and the Sarachim. That's why a Jew is called Yisrael. Yisrael means Sar Kel. The kale, the aspect of kale Hashem, kale Hashem vayar lono, as we say in Halal. Right? Baruch Habab Hashem Hashem Be'rachnuchim Abeis Hashem, kale Hashem vayar lono, Istuchag Babais. Tehillim 118, Kofiyot Ches, the end of Halal, close to the end of Halal. So this Yisrael, the kale is a siren, which means what, what really rules the Jew? Who is the prince? Who is the king in the Jew's life? It's kale. A Jew's posture is a manifestation of infinity of the light of Hashem. And Yud, Yisrael, means that it's perpetual, it's constant. 
It's not just on Shabbos or Yom Tif or Yom Kippur or Rosh Hashanah or Elo. It's constant, the state of the Jew, but it can be eclipsed. But even when it's eclipsed, every single Jewish soul has the kale in it, the light of divinity, infinity, which gives life to your godly soul, and it's why you have this natural connection that's even beyond rationality and intellectualism, because it's a complete oneness, like a child. Bonim atam l'ashem the Gemara says, karad avu, the child is like the leg of the father, the knee, the leg, the foot of the father. The Rebbe says, what's the metaphor here? The metaphor is that a foot is never disconnected from the head. It's completely one entity, nor does a foot even have its own desires. A leg doesn't have a separate, separate personality. My brain wants one thing and my leg wants something else and we're busy fighting. That means I'm a very sick man, physically. In a healthy person... The foot, the leg, the heart, the arms, all the limbs and organs and the brain are all unified because it's one singular organism. There's no separation. There's no separateness. A child and a father are one. And when you say a Jew is a child of Hashem, it means that in the ultimate space, the Jew doesn't even have another desire. It's not there's two separate desires, his desire and my desire. In the ultimate truth of who I am, Yisrael, where the kale is, the sar, is completely one. I'm a channel for his desire. For this, I have to go in deeper into myself. That's the revelation of Hashem which is uniquely and emphatically expressed in Elul, that revelation where the king is shining his face, his pnimiyas haratzen, his innermost will that I may become open to and become a channel for. But here is the point. It's in the field. It's not in the palace. And this is what he begins to elaborate on and explain in chapter 2. So in the beginning of the Maimah, he laid out the foundation. At the end of chapter 1, he started to explain what is his galus Chapter 2 is going to be focusing on what does it mean that it's in the field. Base. In every single person, you have the concept of a settled city. Ir Moishav is a habituated city, a city where people dwell. You also have a field, and you have a desert. The question is, where do you live? Do you live in the city? Do you live in the field? Or do you live in the Midbar? So we all understand, people usually live in cities, habituated places. Sometimes it's urban cities, some of us live in suburbia. But there's the concept of living in a city. There's a field. A field is a place where people also, you go to hike, you go to work if you're a farmer, you take a walk, you take a stroll. But then there's a desert. A desert... You have to be equipped to hang out there because it's not a fertile place. It's infertile. A real desert, real wilderness is a place that's not conducive for human habituation. So you may go there for a few days and if you're God, you can take the Jews there for 40 years and serve them manna from heaven and give them the rolling stone which gives them water. But generally, a desert is a place, there's an expression in Sefer Yirmiyahu, Perik Beis, the prophet says, Midbar Ashalayashav Adam Sham. It's a place where an Adam can't live. We all have these three dimensions in us. I have the city inside of me, the field, 
and the desert. Midbar, he eretz loizrua. Midbar, the Navi Yirmiyahu says, you remember, lechtech acharai, zacharti la chesed nuraich, we said on Rosh Hashanah, avas klu loisayich, lechtech acharai ba midbar be eretz loizrua. I still remember you following me into the desert, into an unsown land, into a place that's not planted. You can't grow anything there. It's a real desert. And therefore, it's not a place that you can live. There's no source for water. There's no source of food. What does this represent spiritually? It's when I'm in a place of wilderness. There's no fertility. There's no growth. All thoughts, all actions, and all words, and all thoughts that are misaligned with Hashem, so they're misaligned with the source of life, fertility, growth. That's the state of a desert. Certainly a person who blemished his or her thoughts, words, and actions. Even things that may be permissible, they're not immoral or heinous. But sometimes in life there are things that are completely not necessary and in no way connected to service Hashem. For example, words that are just idle, wasteful. Expression of Zoya. It's not the way of the king to utter peasant-like words. So sometimes there are words that are forbidden words. We have words of gossip, words of slander, words of toxicity. But sometimes the words, he says, it's idle, idle chatter. And you won't find the presence of the king there. You don't find there any refinement, anything that helps people, anything that's conducive to growth. That's why the Navi says about the desert, Adam does not dwell there. Literally, he means a desert is not a place that a person ever settled in, ever dwelled in. Pirush, it means something deeper. Adam who comes shakasav al musakisid muskamare Adam. Yecheskel anavi Ezekiel in his chariot vision Maisemer Kava. He imagines a throne. We call it the Kisya Kavit, and he says, "On the image of the throne, I saw another image. It was the countenance of an Adam, the Adam Ha'Elyon, the supernal per- person who sits on the throne, which is a metaphor for Hashem." So the Alter Rebbe says, when it says in the desert, Lo Yashav Sham Adam, it means Lo Yashav Sham, the Adam Ha'elian, the ultimate Adam. Hashem doesn't dwell there. The Pasuk says in Truma, build for me a sanctuary and I will dwell there. A midbar, a desert represents, not, we're not just talking about a physical desert. We're talking here a desert that lives inside of my home or inside of my heart. It may be physically very, very conducive. The AC may be on, and I may have a sprinkler system, and my pantries and refrigerators are full of food. But la yashav adam sham means it's a midbar. The adam ha'elyon, the ultimate adam, the adam sha'alakise, doesn't live there, doesn't dwell there. There's no v'shachanti b'seicham, meaning I'm in a place, or I'm in a state, or I'm in a space, or I'm involved with thoughts or words or actions that are not conduits for divine infinity. Sometimes it could be things that are immoral. Sometimes he says it may even be permissible things, but there's absolutely no meaning, no nothing exciting, nothing fertile, nothing meaningful to it. There's no bonding experience. 
So this is, sometimes a person could be hanging out in this desert. Sometimes a person lives in this desert. So you have a city. That's the place where the Adam lives. That's the place where Vashachanti Besaychem, where the Shechina lives. Then you have a desert that's off limits, and then you have the intermediary space, which is the field. The field is a place of fertility. That's the purpose of a field. You, we go to the field, we farm, we, we, we plant, we plow and we plant, and then we hopefully harvest, thresh and winnow and grind, etc. Like all the malachas of Shabbos, Sidur in the past. The first 11 labors of Shabbos that deal with processing bread, which begins with plowing and planting the field. But the field is not a place where the Adam lives. The field is a place where we go work. So the field is the intermediary between the city and the desert. Comes out to Rebbe and says the idea of Elul is that the king comes into the field in order to be able to be with every single person even that Jew who's on the outskirts of the city. He's in the field, or even more in the desert. Yeah. Often, Sada and Midbar, the Mepharshim say, are often interchangeable in Tanakh. Even that Jew who's outside of the desert, the king reaches out, says, I'm available, I'm here. The Eitz, what's the advice? What does this mean? And what does it mean he's in the field? It says... Moshe Rabbeinu tells us, Ubikashtem misham es Hashem Very powerful pasuk. You will search from there, Hashem. The language of the pasuk, Parshas Veschanan. Moshe Rabbeinu, in Dvarim, Perik Dalet, is speaking about exile. It's part of the reading of the Torah of Tishabov. When the Jewish people will lose their privilege of being in Eretz Yisrael and they'll be scattered around the world. And he says, And from there you're going to search for God and you'll find Him because you're going to search for Him with all your heart and soul. What does this mean? There's two points. You're going to search. And it has to be from there. It can't be from here. It has to be from there. And this is going to be the point that he's now going to make. First of all, you have to search. Second of all, from there, not from here. But what do you mean you have to search? God is lost. You have to search. You lost your keys. You lost your hat. You lost your phone. <laughs> you come to your parking place, your car is gone. You lost your car. You lost your wallet. So you have to search. It's called an Aveda. We have a mitzvah in Parshish Kiseitze, Hashavas Aveda. You find the donkey of your friend. You find the shirt of your friend. You find something else that belongs to your friend. You have to return it to him or to her. If you don't know them, you take it home. Adroy Hashavas Aveda. What does it mean that God, Hashem, is lost? Bikashtem comes from the word bikush, levakesh, to search. right? We have the word bakasha as requesting, like levakesh, you want to ask, to vakesh. But bakasha is 
Achas she'alti oisa avakesh is request. Es achay anoichi mevakesh. Yosef says, I'm searching. Ubikashtem isham is you have to search for God from there. What are you searching for? Peter says, Alter Rebbe says, listen to this. The Pasuk says in the opening of creation, do you see how many psukim and mamore, chazal and zoyars, Kabbalistic sources, halachic sources, Tanakh sources, he mentioned just in the last few lines, beginning with chapter 2. If you go through, every line usually has references to a few sources, just a word or two words or an expression. But it's interesting, literally from the whole Torah. That's why when people learn a Maimer, they often don't, they don't grasp all of the nuances, because literally in every line there could be a few quotes, but he doesn't say it's a quote, he doesn't say the source. You just have to be sensitive to it. So right now he's going to Parshas Bereshus. The Pasuk says, The first thing Hashem creates, the first day. In the beginning God created heaven and earth. The earth was void, darkness was everywhere. God, saw, God said, let there be light, there was light. And what's the next scene? God saw that the light was good. What does this mean? He saw the light was good. And it says he separated the light from the darkness. So Chazal say, He saw that the light is so powerful, it's so good, it's good to hide. It's good to hide. <laughs> you see something is so good, it's good to hide, to put away. What does this mean? And they say this is called the Oir Haganos, the hidden light. The hidden light. This is the source. Kitoiv Lignas. Ask the Altarebbe, what does this mean? If it's good, why would you hide it? And if you want to hide it, don't create it. So he says, it means as follows. Shabchin is Oir. This light. What's this light? It's not just the physical light. The physical light was actually created on Wednesday. The light of the sun. The light of the stars. This is the light of the first day. The Eir of Yom Arisha. He says, This light, referring to, This is the light, the expression. What is light? Light allows us to perceive, to perceive reality. Light is what extends, say, from a source of light, from a luminary, like the sun, or another source of light. So he says, this light, which is the expression, the manifestation, the continuum of his inner will that we spoke about earlier in the first chapter, last week's class, and the summation today. Kel Hashem, Vayoer Lanu, Yoer Hashem, Panavei Lecha, Yoer Hashem, Yoer from the word Oer. This light, representing Hashem's inner core, inner desire, inner infinity, is embedded, it exists in every single Jew, no exception. But naturally it could be extremely concealed. And that's why Chazal talk about, there's a treasure of Yerushamayim, of awe of heaven that is embedded in every single Jew, but you have to reveal it. God saw that this Ur was so powerful, was so potent. Lignoiz, he hid it. Doesn't mean he hid it somewhere in the seventh heaven. No. He hid it into every single Jewish soul. It's there. That's the Ur inside of you. You have that light in you. 
That's the light of absolute divinity and infinity, which is an expression of Hashem Himself. Like He said earlier in chapter 1, the light is never interrupted from the source. You can't create an interruption between the light and the source. If you put down your Venetian blinds, the rays of the sun are not going to last. Why? Because the ray of the sun is a continuum of the sun, and it's a reflection of the sun. And she said, that's what it says, it's like fire, the light of the fire is a continuum of the fire, it's a reflection of the fire. The greater the fire, the more intense, the more ferocious the fire, the greater the light. So this is the oir of Hashem Himself. It's not filtered, it's not condensed. And that's ganus, it's hidden, it's the oir, this oir ganus, where is it? It's inside of you. It's inside of me. I may not be aware of it. That's why I have to excavate it. This is the oitzer of Yerushalayim that I have to excavate. This is the oir. And there's somebody for whom this light is an aveda. It's lost. When I have something, I own it, and then it gets lost. I don't have access to it. I don't even know where it is. For all I know, it could be under my nose, but I'm unaware of it. So he says, this is the idea that something is an Aveda by you. What does it mean it's an Aveda? This light is hidden and it's lost. The object may be hidden somewhere in your home, but it's lost because you don't have access to it. You don't know how to find it. But it's there. It's just lost. And it means it's also in a state of exile, meaning it's not manifested, it's not expressed, it's not ruling your life. Yisrael means that the kale is a sar. The kale is what rules your life. You're not ruled by your pettiness or mediocrity or insecurity. You're ruled by your infinity. I like that, ruled by your infinity. That's Yisrael sar kale. But here, this nitzutz, the oir is lost and it's even in galus. And galus means it's exile. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu says, you have to search. We need Ashava Saveda. What's the story of life? The story of life is Ashava Saveda. We're always doing Ashava Saveda. We're returning the lost object to its owner. What's the greatest lost object? The Eir Haganus. This hidden light that's inside of me, inside of you may be lost and we have to return it. On this, Moshe Rabbeinu says, what does Ubikashtem mean? He asked the question before. He said, I don't understand. Hashem is lost? We asked. Hashem is lost? You have to search. What does Uncle Moshe teach? We're doing the songs today, yeah? Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. Up, up, down. He's not lost. <laughs> He's not lost. <laughs> but you're lost. I'm lost. Meaning, this light inside of me, I may not have access to it. So what do I need to do? I need to be kashtem. You search for something that's lost. Something that's present, something that's clearly in front of your eyes, you don't have to search. Like the Gemara in Psachim discusses, you know, B'dikas Chametz, you've searched for the Chametz. Achapes, Psachim Davzayin, a whole suya, Achapes is Yerushalayim Baneiris, I'm going to search for Jerusalem with candles. You're searching for something that may be hidden from your eyes. Dahainu Dover Shehu Avude Etzloi. It doesn't mean it is lost. 
essentially, it means from my perspective, for me it's lost. Bebchin is galos. It's hidden, it's an exile. And in exile, it doesn't flex its muscles. Shohu bchines nitzutz elekus hanal. We're talking about the divine spark, the divine infinity, which is the truth of your identity. As he said earlier, the end of Perik Aleph, chapter 1, that every soul has a divine spark which gives life, it animates, it vivifies his or her godly soul, and it's what causes you by nature to gravitate, to be one with the source of life to the point of complete alignment and oneness and dedication. That's why Moshe says, He doesn't say, Meaning, what's Pshat? We remember we spoke about this light of Hashem's inner identity comes from Kael. Kael Hashem Vayoer Lonu. This is the light that comes from Kael. So it's called Eloi Kecha, your Kael. The light from Kael that is inside of you, that's Eloi Kecha. The way Kael becomes yours, most of Hashem's names are not personalized. Yudke Vavke is Yudke Vavke. There's one exception, and that's Kael or Eloi Kim. It becomes Eloi Kecha. Right? Eloi Kechem. So this is Elikecha, Hashem becoming your God, your strength, your consciousness, because it dwells in you to give life to your soul. That's what you're looking for. The Elikecha, the God that is you, that is inside of you. But the Pasuk says you have to search from there. What's from there? Where's there? Not from here, from there. Literally it means wherever you are. Says the Alter Rebbe, Mishom Daike, Kikishem Shiyav Shalachapes Acharavei Devalematzo Zulus B'Makom Shenevda. Let's take a simple matter, the simple example. A person cannot search for something that's lost, and he certainly can't find it only in the place where it was lost. If you're going to go to anywhere else besides the place where it's lost, it's going to be a waste of your time. You don't search for something that was lost, and you certainly don't find anything that was lost, only if you go back to the place where it was lost. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, Ubi kashtem, you have to search, but from where? Misham, from there. Don't search in the wrong places. We'll soon see what this means. It's very powerful. But I want to tell you a little story. It's a Chelem story. You know the Chelem story? It's a great story. There was a Jew from Chelem, and he's walking home at night. And his friend is also walking home and suddenly he sees that this Jew is standing, they would have these lanterns, lanterns, that they would light up with oil, with gas, with coals, so that there would be some, uh, you know, some light at night in the city, in the shtetl. So this Jew is standing by one of these lanterns, and he's searching for something. So his friend comes over and says, Yankel, what are you searching for? He says, I lost the key to my home. I can't get into the house, so I'm searching for it. He says, where did you lose it? Where did you drop it? He says, a few blocks away. So he says, so why are you searching here? He says, because here's the light. 
The problem is that two blocks away it's dark, so I can't search, so I'm searching here. So the Alter Rebbe quips about this, and he says, <laughs> You have to go to the place where it was lost, not the place where it's easy to find. This is a mistake. I go to the light because that's where it's easy to look for it, but that's not where it was lost. It was lost somewhere else. Are you ready to go to the place where it was lost? Second line from the bottom. A person cannot grasp the light of Hashem, the light of the face of Hashem. That the love and the awe should be and extend to his own face. Only if I'm ready and following my search in the place where it was lost. Next column, page 64, column 1, the place that it was lost from Al-Derech, Masha Kosov. As the Navi says, Again, Nachbasa. The word Nachbasa means, let us search, search through our ways. I have to search. What does it mean to be able to go to that place? What does it mean to go to the place where I was lost? So he explains, a person has to be able to look through. The mass of one's actions, the boot of one's words, the voice of one's thoughts, that have passed. From the day of his existence, which are not aligned, which are not good, over there I have, that's the ideal, search from there. When you say this, it's something that you could point your finger at. Hear this. And therefore the real ze you can only say on Hashem. Like they said, after the splitting of the sea in the Shira. This is my God and I will adorn him. Because the whole world is filled with his glory. So wherever you are, you could say ze. Here. But the place of shells and husks and cover-ups, that's called sham. It's not here. It's there. Because by definition, it's about hiddenness. It's camouflaged. It's covered up. There are husks, there are shells, there are concealments. The definition of Hashem is truth. Truth never has to hide. Truth is everywhere. Truth is always there. It's right here. Lies you have to cover up. Lies are always there. I never, I can, I can never be upfront with you. I can never be straight with you. I can't look you in the eyes and say, this is it. You know, when you're hiding something, it's always hidden. You're always covering up. You always have excuses and rationalizations and another story and another story. And then you need a story to cover up that story. Like they say, a liar has to have a good memory. Somebody who speaks the truth, you don't have to remember anything. <laughs> what you see is what you get. So he says, the real zeh is elokus. Elokus is real. There's no cover-ups. It's the real thing. Clipper is always shum. It's always there. Where is it there? Where is, can I speak to him? He's not here. He's there. Where is Darton, 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 Darton? It's always shum. The Tzemach the grandson of the Balatanya, gives you a few 
lines of references to different sources and Zoya and other works of Kabbalah and other Maimarim to explain this more. So let's just, so it's a few lines that go into different, different aspects, but I want to, I want to stay focused on the theme. So go a few lines later. The line starts, Bebchines, Bebchines Sham, Bebchines Sham. It's just like five lines later. Vizel Shekasev Aisanu Hoitzi Misham. Ki Be'emes Hoitzi Sanu Bebchines Sham Ladavka Bayezbarach. And the Haggadah, we quote the Pasuk, Hashem took us out, Misham, from there. It doesn't only mean from there, from Egypt. He took us out from the concept of Sham. You don't have to anymore live in the place of there. You can live here. Don't live there, Sham, live here. That's what Dveikas means. Dveikas means that I'm always living here. I'm living in the presence. I'm not busy denying. A major part of Klippa is always denying, always going somewhere else. I'm not fully here. I space out. I'm detached because it's too painful for me to be here. There's a reality I'm covering up and therefore I could never be fully present. I'm always in a place of Sham. I'm never fully here. But God is always that which is right here, right now, full presence. What a powerful idea. The difference of Kedusha and Klippa is Zeh and Shom. Klippa is never fully here. It's always there. You have to look. F- and Kedusha is always Zeh here. So he says, You have to be able to go to Shom to search. Somebody whose thoughts, words, and actions are blemished. And by the way, it may be their fault. It may completely not be their fault. Search from Sham. I have to be able to go into my actions, be able to go into my life, see that which is not aligned. Then the person really will experience a sense of frustration, a sense of pain. This is from the Haftar of a fast day. Yeshaya Hanavi Periknun Hey. You remember he says, Yazov Rasha Darkoi Vish Ovin Machshavoisov, Vyoshivilashemvirachameyu. Let a person have the courage to abandon his path, return to God, Virachamehu. What does this mean? And Hashem will have compassion on him. But Al Rebbe says something else. Wow. Virachameyu doesn't only mean God will have compassion on you. It means you need to have compassion on God. V'yashev el Hashem, listen to this. V'yashev el Hashem virachameyu. Literally we translate, return to God, and He will have rachamim on you. So he says that's not the literal, that's not, that's one meaning, that's the literal meaning, but there's something much deeper. Return to Hashem and have compassion on Him. Who is the Him? The Him is the last one you spoke about. Who do you speak about? Hashem. You will have a Yashiv. Tshuva is having Rachamim on Hashem. Why do you need Rachamim on Hashem? Because that spark of Hashem is inside of you. That's what you're having compassion for. You're having compassion for yourself, for your divinity for your light, for your Eir Haganos. V'yashiv, that's what Shuvah is. V'yrachamehu. Everyone learns you'll return to God. V'yrachamehu. And he will, and he, Hashem, will have compassion on the person, on, on the person who's doing Shuvah. He says, no. V'yrachamehu is the person will have rachamim on him. Who's the him? The last him that was mentioned in the Pesach, on Hashem. 
You will trigger, you will arouse tremendous compassion on the divinity inside of you, the spark of godliness inside of you, which is in a state of exile. For Yaakov, who redeemed Avram, what does this mean? Yaakov liberates Avram. Yaakov represents compassion. Avram represents love. It's the compassion that you have for your own Oyer Haganus that liberates your love. It allows your love to flow. That's why he's called our father. We all have that love. We inherit the genes of our father. We are the genes of our father. And then you could become the person you are, the child who's a leg, an extension of the fatherly. To become completely submerged and aligned with God's will. So what does Ubikashta Misham mean on a, in a practical way? It means something. And this is, uh, is going to be our final point. Ubikashta Misham means... Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to look at the broken places. My keys were not lost here under the light. <laughs> My keys were lost over there where there's no light. Moshe says, What are you looking for? You're looking for your divine infinity that's been lost. You have to look at the place where it was lost. Can you go back to the place where your light was lost? That place, that space where the brokenness happened, where the loss happened, where the gullus happened. We often look for all the good things in the good places, but that's not where you lost it. I didn't lose it in the good places. I lost it in that space, in that moment when... I experienced disappointment, betrayal. And in fact, that place may be so deeply hidden. That shum may be so beneath the surface, so beyond my radar, I don't even know about that moment or those moments. And I'm not necessarily talking about one moment of abuse. Sometimes it's accumulative experiences over years. But the Alter Rebbe says, Ubikashta means I have to be able to search for the Aveda in the wilderness, in the Midbar, or in the field where it was lost. Not in the place where it's all dandy and great and luminescent. That's not where you lost your key. It's not where you lost your light. It's not where I lost my Urhaganus. So I have to really be able... To go into that space, to be able to look at that space. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's, it's, it's meaningful, it's powerful, but it's not always easy. The place, the, the way out of pain is through pain. The way out of pain is through pain. It's hard for us. What does this mean in a person's real life? We often don't want to go to that place. But if I don't go to that place, if I don't go to my broken place, my most vulnerable place, 
where the wound happened, I'll never be able to find my light because that's where my light got stuck. That's where it's stuck. Well, to Rebbe here in five words puts in here 50 years of psychological, 100 years of psychological research. You know the story with the two Jews in the hospital? This is a good one. There were two Jews who suffered from gout. Fakain mentioned gedacht. They were in the hospital sharing a room. The doctor comes in for, you know, checkups. He goes to one of them, a non-Jew. One of them was a Jew, one of them was a non-Jew. He says, no, show me the fo- show me the foot. So he sticks out the foot, and the doctor starts looking and poking, and the poor man is screaming from pain. I the doctor tries to relax him, but he has to do what he has to do in order to be able to examine his condition and figure out what to do for the future. He finishes with this patient, he goes over to the Jew. And he says, give me the leg that is hurting. And the Jew gives him one of his legs. And the doctor starts poking around and searching and poking. The Jew, the patient, doesn't utter a sound. For a half an hour, the doctor is touching and feeling and turning and poking and removing skin. And the Jew is quiet. The doctor leaves. And the Gentile turns to the Jew. He says, I don't understand you. How do you have such self-control? I've been with you a few weeks. You're actually a coward. The slightest sensation of pain, you're screaming, much worse than not me. And here the doctor for half an hour is poking around your gout and you don't utter a sound. How did you do this? A miracle. And the Jew looks at him and he says, I showed him the healthy foot. What do you think? I was so stupid to show him the foot that was sick. So why should I scream? In life, it's so easy to show everybody my healthy leg, my healthy foot. (laughs) The problem is that at some point in my life or at some points in my life or certain experiences in my life, my infinite light, what does it mean my infinite light? Let's translate everything into our lives. My sense of self as a manifestation of divine infinity, my fully erect posture, which is a ladder that begins with heaven and comes down to earth, has been broken. It's been compromised. It's been blemished. It's been affected. And that light went in not only to hiding, but it got lost. I don't have access to it. And I'm living in a place of Shum, not in a place of Zeh. I'm always there. I'm not here. I'm spaced out. I'm detached. Or I'm angry. Or I'm frustrated. Or I'm depressed. Or I'm sad. I'm not here. I'm not fully here. Or one way of dealing with it is I just detach. I detach. I don't want to be grounded anymore. It's too painful. And, and those of you who understand what I'm talking about, you know how deep these experiences are. So the Alter Rebbe tells us the king coming into the field means... He doesn't say, come to the city, come to the place of a shechanti b'soicham. No, I'm coming into your place. I'm going to help you go into your place, go into your desert, go into your field, and I'm going to be there. Ubikashtamisham, over there, over there, you're going to find me. Ubikashtam, and you have to search, I know you have to search, because it's not easily accessible. 
But where should you search? Search Misham. Don't be afraid of examining all those words, all those thoughts, all those actions that I have done and been involved throughout my life that don't reflect this oneness because they have the key, they hold the key to the brokenness, to the devastation. In some people's lives, that, that, some people's lives, that means I have to be able to go into those places where my light was concealed, where I couldn't feel the love anymore. And therefore, I said goodbye, I covered it over, and I started to create substitutes, never being in touch with my real self. Now is the time of Bekashtamisham. Can you go there? Can you experience it? And you'll find that over there in that wound, your light is present. It got stuck and it's waiting to come out. That inner child is waiting to come out. Remove the rubble, remove the debris. It's been waiting there. It's not gone. It's always there. The light could never be obliterated. And let it emerge and let it fill your soul, let it fill your life, so that you transform your sham into zah. Any questions? Okay, question number one. Is this a concept that applies only to Jews, or is this a concept that applies to every single person? So like everything, everything in Chassidus, on one in one way or another applies to every person, not only to the Jews. But the question is how to phrase it in the right terminology, to put it differently. Every person in the world was created in God's image. So every person has to find that Selim Alekim. And every person has a soul. Not every person has a Jewish soul. There's something unique about a Jewish soul. And this Maimer is obviously speaking to a Jew in the context of the month of Elul and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, like much of Lakut Torah, and it's speaking about the uniqueness of the Jewish soul. But the concepts are applicable to every person. Again, you have to know how to present it in the right way without diluting the truth of it. So the concept there is not only a Jewish concept. The concept is true for every single person, like every single concept in Chassidus. But the language is going to change. The language here of Yisrael, Sarkel, what a Jew is, that's going to be different with a non-Jew. But the concepts, the truths of it, relate to everybody. Next question. This is an important idea. People don't realize this. This is an important idea. Next question. Maybe what some people experience as existential angst is actually this idea of ubikashta. You are so good. That's beautiful. What people experience as existential angst is this idea of ubikashtim. Exactly. The searching is being driven from the light within, but it remains an angst because they are looking everywhere besides for the place that it was lost. Maybe our job is to be the field for every single Jew and every single person, and not just in the month of Elul. Yeah. That's exactly our job. Our job is to be able to be that field and to be able to go out to that field where people have to search and to be able to be accessible for them. But this is what you're saying about Abikashta Misham is really on target. The whole existential angst that we have is Abikashta. It's a search. 
and the search is being driven because I have a hidden light and I know it's there. <laughs> and it's pulling me. It's like, find me, find me, find me, light calling onto you. But I don't, sometimes don't know where to look. I sometimes don't know how to look. Sometimes you need help. Sometimes I need help searching. Sometimes I need real help searching. I need a support system. I need a mentor. I need a friend. Sometimes I need a coach. Sometimes you need, I also need professional assistance to be able to go to those places. You know, with real, real trauma, real, real trauma, they literally talk about this concept. Literally what Dr. Rebbe says here, the trauma is stuck. It's stuck inside of me. It's stuck in my body. And in that trauma is hidden all my light and my creativity, but it's all stuck. And when I release it, I release it, I can become a person. Next question. Why is the opposite of Shom, Zeh, and not Poi, like in the dreidel, right? Nez Gadol Haya Shom, Nez Gadol Haya Po. I think Po means here. Zeh means this. It's even deeper. Po means here. Sham means there. So yes, the opposite of Sham is Poi. But Zeh is even deeper. Zeh is this. With Hashem, you can always say this. Because godliness is the truth of every reality. So you can always say not only Po, but Zeh. Zeh includes Po. Is it wrong to look to the world for light instead. I'm always looking to the world to find light. I don't know what you mean to the world. Which world? Do you mean the outer world or the inner world? (laughs) I don't know which world you mean. The whole world is God's world, so it's good to look at the world, but you have to know what aspect of the world to look at. Question. Does the ultimate goal of revealing one's light apply only in the present life or in Elam Haba? Okay, you have to join us much more often and then you'll have the answer. Of course, it's all the present life. Elam Haba for sure, but of course the present life. We're talking about the present life. Of course. Elam Haba for sure, but we're talking about this world, the present life. The, the light is hidden in this world. Next question. Beautiful questions. You speak about desert field city. We were meant to live in cities. The Beis HaMikdash was in a city, the city. Our food comes from the field, a less habitated place. Plant food, animal food, all comes from the field. Torah was given in a desert. Our nation was molded in a desert. So maybe what this means is that when Hashem revealed Himself to us, it was in the desert to tell us that Torah could be found even in the desert. Yes, that's beautiful. Beautiful. The Shalom writes, When the lion roars, who will not fear? Arye is an acronym. Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Hashanah Rabbah. Yes. But here we're learning about the king being friendly in the field. That's not how I always understood Elul. I always understood Elul as a very scary month. A month when the lion roars, Arye, Elo, and you're telling me that God is my friend and he's in the field and he's smiling and he's accessible. <laughs> you're contradicting everything I ever learned about the month of Elo. I love your question. I love your question. Good, good thinking, good thinking. 
So the truth is that, of course, Elul is a serious time. Elul is a time of introspection. Elul is a time of reflection. Elul is a time of getting closer to our truth. But the Altirebbe is giving us the soul of Elul. The soul of Elul is not about dread. The soul of Elul is about love. The soul of Elul is not about God trying to scare you like a lion. The soul of Elul is God wanting to be one with you. That's the soul of Elul. The soul of Elul is the infinite love and trust that Hashem has in every single Jew. The secret of Elul is that I come out into your field, dressed in your garments, speaking your language, accessible to you on your terms, dressed in your attire, relating to you where you stand today in order for you be able, for you to be able to connect to me in the most authentic, raw, and vulnerable fashion. So at the core of Elul is Anila Doidi Vidoidi Li. And Anila Doidi Vidoidi Li is the ultimate expression of love in the Song of Songs. You could look it up. And Arizal is the one. And the Avudraham and the Bach. Great Rishonim and Makabalim who connect us to Elul. So the Altareb is revealing to us that the essence of Elul is Anila Doidi Vidoidi Li. It's a tremendous relationship of love. The fear that we talk about in Elul is a fear that comes from love. And if you want to understand more about this fear, I'm going to ask you to please listen to the Tuesday morning class this week. It's a, it's a very, very important class for reference. We did it just Tuesday. It's called, Does Fear of God Create Anxiety? This is a very important class, especially for our, our, our friends who struggle with this, and we all do. Basics of Amuna 36, the sphere of God create anxiety. It's on theyeshiva.net, on the homepage. Don't fear punishment, fear the ruin of a splendid relationship. We learned inside a teaching of the Maggid of Mizrich, what fear of Hashem means. It's a piece that everybody has to learn. <laughs> I know I say this about a lot of pieces, but this is a piece of the Maggid, of the Maggid of Mizrich, the Rebbe of the Alter Rebbe, the teacher of the Alter Rebbe, the Maggid, Rebbe Doiv Ber, he teaches us what it means to fear God. So I'm going to ask you, who asked this wonderful, wonderful question, to please, uh, to please listen to that class. I think it will help a lot. <laughs> At the end of chapter one, the Alter Rebbe says, Battle Ritzoincha. Nullify your will for his will. How does that fit with the king coming to the field, which shows me that even when I'm being in my, even when I am in my lower state and the unworked parts of myself, God is still coming to visit me. That's beautiful. That's exactly the idea. The idea is what does battle ritzoincha mean? Battle ritzoincha doesn't mean you're a shmata. Battle ritzoincha means that you're a child of Hashem. You're a leg of the brain. You're a conduit for infinity. How can I even get to that place? That's the idea. The king comes into the field and shines his inner infinity so that if I want, I can enter into a relationship with that place. But who is the me that's entering into a relationship? The me that's entering into a relationship is my authentic me. Batal Ritzoyncha doesn't mean that I become the person I'm not. Battle Ritzayincha means that I become Yisrael. I tune into who I really am. The challenge is I completely don't feel that space because I'm out there in the field. 
So the king comes into the field and says, you, you, that farmer in the field, you are Yisrael. I'm not talking about the saint who lives in Ganeid. I'm talking about you in the field. You are the Yisrael. You are the kale. You are the kale Hashem Vayar Lano. I hope I answered your question. If not, you can ask again. You spoke a lot about being here, not being there. I love it. The way I take it is be here right now. Live in the present. Don't live in the past. Don't live in the future. Don't space out. Don't detach. Don't run away from challenges, problems, pain. Throughout life, we are often running away. But can I be fully here, right here at this moment? Maybe this is what it means. Avraham Avinu came with all of his days. He was fully present in every single day. Very good. The Ramchal writes that Hashem always has his light that he wants to shine on us. But our windows are dirty, so we don't allow the light to enter through the window. We have to clean the window to allow the light in. Perhaps based on this mimer, we could say that we need to clean the window in order to let that light within us to be able to shine and project outwards and influence others. And that is the Rachmanis for Hashem, that our light will help those that he wants to help, but it's, so to speak, trapped in ourselves, and it can shine outwards. Yes, that's true. When you reveal it, it can help so many other people. You speak about going to the broken places to heal. This is so, so powerful and true. It resonates. But it's also true about creation. The world was made out of the vessels that were shattered, the sparks that were scattered. The job of the collective is to gather the sparks and the shattered pieces and bring them back to a unified whole so we never run away from the brokenness. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. I also want to add, people are wondering, if God is a lion, a lion's roar is so scary. That's true, but only if the lion perceives you as an enemy. The lion takes such good care for his or her cubs. The cubs are never scared of the lion's roar. They see in the lion's roar protection. They see in the lion's roar him saying, nobody's going to mess. This is our territory forever. And therefore, you guys are protected as long as I'm here. When you realize that you're part of God, you're not afraid of the lion's roar. The lion's roar is, we're in this together. I love you and I'm always going to be here for you. That's a really beautiful insight. That's a really nice insight. Okay, next question. The field, what's the point in this idea of the field? The field is the place where, where, where we research, where we work, where we take walks. Yeah, the point is that the field is a less habituated place, and that's where the king wants to come to. That's exactly the idea. Yeah. Beautiful questions. I see there's some more questions. You could check them out in the comments or in chat. In the meantime, I'm going to wish everybody a beautiful, beautiful day and a happy month of Elul and a meaningful month of Elul to be able to meet Hashem in your field and in your desert and to be able to do the Bikashta Misham work that is... So, so incredibly important. Sending you love and blessings for Aksiva Vachzimatoiva Shanatoiva Msuka. But Ezer Hashem, we're going to continue the Maimer Monday morning, 7 30 a.m., just to announce that we're resuming our women's class in live Tuesday, 12 45, in Tent Gimel. Please share with your friends, female friends, relatives, or the women who are here for women and girls. Tuesday, 12.45 p.m., 24 Shea Road, 10 Gimel. That begins with Tuesday. There's also going to be a pre-Slichus Fabrengen in the tent. That's Mitzayi Shabbos Slichus. Everybody is invited, 10.30 p.m., followed by different Minyanim of Slichus, 
according to your options. In the meantime, wishing you a beautiful day and a meaningful and inspiring day. Hatzlacha. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.